Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's time for that difficult second season. Hello and welcome to episode one of this season's Real Football Cast. As always, I'm your host Dan Tracy and in the next 45 minutes we'll be dissecting all the hot topics in football. As per usual, we'll be discussing what has been going on in the world of the Premier League over the past few days. While in addition to that, there are also some off-pitch activities that have caught our eye and they'll be getting our attention also. It's the first episode of the season and that means the band is back together. And what perfect guests to have for the ones where it all started 12 months ago. So first up, it's Carl. Carl, it's been a while since we last spoke. A good two months now on this podcast. How is life treating you? And are you excited that football is back? Yeah, been really good, Dan. Had a nice summer, a bit of break from football and uh, now ready to go again. And and yeah, I am kind of quite excited by this season. So uh, looking forward to getting into it, mate. Well, also turning is JS from the wonderful Football in the City website. JS, it's a pleasure to have you on board once more. Did you have a good summer? And more importantly, are you looking forward to what the beautiful game has to offer this season? Hello, Dan. Trace, it's nice to be back. Um, I had an excellent summer. Thank you very much. Um, I, I mostly watch the Women's World Cup, to be honest, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm starting almost like I've got a bit of football fatigue, you know, so... OK, you've had a summer tournament and you're already a bit leggy, is that what you're saying? Basically, yeah, and I've, I've been watching the uh, Al- historic uh, Audi Cup win as well, so... Um, <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah. Looking for, looking forward to that, but no, no. I I am generally, and uh, I I think Spurs are in a good place too. Um, I like the Ndombele signing, and I fancy us to go quite deep this year. Excellent, excellent. Right, okay. So, best do some social media bits first. Otherwise, we'll be talking to the abyss once more. First, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. That's on Twitter, at StanTracy1983. And also, the podcast this season has its own Twitter account. It's at RealFootballPod, all one word, obviously. So anything show-related, send it my way to either of those. You can find me via iTunes by searching for Real Football Cast. And if you use that platform, then don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And if you like what you hear, leave a review, because that always helps us as well. If you're not a fan of all things Apple, you can also find me on SoundCloud and Acast. While the easiest way to find all the links is by going to realfootballcast.com. As you should know by now, the Real Football Cast is sponsored by Loserpool. And what is Loserpool? I hear you ask. It's the company behind the game, Last Man Standing, one which is free to enter when we get started this season. If this has grabbed your interest, then be sure to visit loserpool.com and create an account. The odds of winning are great, they're even better if you sign up. Right then, it's time to go live. And where should we go first? I was going to go to the Community Shield, but it turns out neither of my guests have really done the homework I set them. So don't worry about that too much. Let's talk about the, the ramifications of that result and what that really means. So, Carl, I'll start with you. I asked a question on Twitter on Sunday evening, and it wasn't necessarily like a knee-jerk because of Liverpool's loss. Could you envisage a scenario where Liverpool have a 2014-15 style drop-off, where after getting so close to the title the season before, they then wrap rapidly drop off the following campaign. Now, perhaps not as extreme as their sixth-place finish that followed, but can they push City as close this time around, or will they fall away? 
I think they'll. I think Liverpool will have another good season, and they'll be up there. I think obviously they're going to be hamstrung, aren't they, by the fact that a lot of their players were away in tournaments in the summer, you know, and you know Mane's just literally come back to, to training with them, um, you know, and, and a lot of their squad were involved in tournament football, so they've come back a little bit later. Um, so I think we may see that they have, they have a kind of indifferent start um, where they, you know, they maybe won't be as electric as they were last season they may slip up a little more you know they'll do well to go you know un, you know and only lose one game again this season so I don't think we'll see the same Liverpool as last year but I do believe they've got a good enough squad where I can't see them dropping away massively and I still think the title will probably be between them and City um, whether they can give City as good a fight as last year I'm not so sure you know I think this year we may see City win it again and there'll be a little bit more breathing space. But I do think Liverpool will be their closest challengers. Um, and we just have to see how they've been affected by those players being away and coming back a little bit later. Um, you know, we saw with Spurs last year having lots of players in deep into the World Cup. You know, that no real pre-season kind of does kick in towards the middle and latter stages of the season. So it'll be interesting to see how they cope with that. Um, but I don't think there'll be a massive drop-off, but I don't think they'll be as good and as consistent as they were last season. Well, JS, with City now in possession of all four major English trophies at once, they've done the Grand Slam. Is this a warning sign of further prolonged dominance from the Etihad outfit, or can you see their spell being broken this season? Um, I, th- I think City will probably win the league again. Um I, th- I think interestingly that what Cole was just saying, I, I don't think they were. I don't think Liverpool were actually as electric last year as they were the year before. I, but I think what they learned how to do was to win ugly. And he just alluded to uh, the depth of their squad, so I'd, I'd go along with that. I think they'll go really close, but I also think Spurs will be a lot closer this year. Um, as he also mentioned, because of the World Cup hangover last year, um, I think we're probably still maybe like two two players away from being a sort of like serious challenger. But I I can't see the top three being anything at the moment other than City, Liverpool, Spurs. Um, and so to answer your question, domestically. No, City are winning it again, for sure. And Carl, I guess, in terms of the yardstick of success and how you measure it, if Liverpool finish second, but they finish further away in terms of margin, let's say six points, is that still considered a job well done, or is that a sign of regression? What do you think? No, I, I think, you know, obviously last year... The season we had last season with that points total and the way it finished, you know, we'll go some to get back close again, won't we? I think for Liverpool, you know, the fact that they could look at the kind of summer they've had with lots of players being away, they haven't invested heavily, to be honest, in their squad this season. So they haven't really bolstered it with anyone that you kind of go, well, right now they've brought in a game-changing player who's added to that squad. So I think if they were to finish second... Have they they needed to, though, Carl? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I don't think they've needed to. But again, I guess, you know, like the old, as Fergie used to say, he always used to like in to bring in someone in the summer to kind of, you know, freshen things up, give keep people on their toes. 
Um, but they've got a great squad. So that, let, put it this way, I'd happily have Liverpool's squad and their attacking talent and defence right now. You know, two great full-backs, a great centre-half. You know, you maybe could say they need someone, you know, just as solid maybe next to him. You know, if, they, if Liverpool would, say, signed a Toby out of Herald in the summer and you had him and Van Dijk, you'd really be going, well, they've got the best defence in the, you know, possibly the best defence in the league because those two fullbacks going forward are electric with their crossing ability. Yeah, um, so, sorry, I thought you meant I thought you meant City. Oh no, like, no, uh, yeah, Liverpool, yeah. yeah, you know they have. Oh really no, no, I, I, I agree. I, th- I think they, I think they're still maybe two decent squad signings away from. I, I think they w- winning the they league and challenging with... in Europe and all yeah. the rest of it, you know. I think if they brought a real striker in, because I think, you know, although you've got Salah and Mane who score goals, you know, Firmino is that kind of, you know, false nine type forward who, you know, can be hit and miss. And maybe they they will need at some point to bring in, you know, a real quality goal scorer, you know, along the lines of sort of a Kane or Aguero who can win them games, you know, by scoring, you know, 30 goals a season. Um so I, I just don't think they've bolstered enough to catch City. But if they was to finish second, Dan, and they were, say, maybe three, four points away, I think they'd still look at that as, you know, pro- progression and that they're still there. And they, they then, as JS said, would only be maybe two players away from getting over the line to win the title. But I, I can't see them getting as close to City this year. I, I just do, don't. Do you, mean do you mean their fans or do you mean the, the club? As in the hierarchy at the club, the board, and so on. As in seeing it as progression. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I think the board would would be happy if they finished second again, and you know maybe went deep in the Champions League. You know, could maybe win an FA Cup or League Cup. Um, I, I think the board would still say, you know, we're happy with how it's going. I think the fans will want to see the title after last year, won't they? Because they know they're so close, you know. I think if you get as close as they did last season as a fan, you really are thinking, well, we can do this again, we can do that again, and we can go one further. But I just don't think the reality is that they'll get as close to City as they did last season, you know. With, say, with the summer they've had, they haven't really brought in any real reinforcements to, to bolster the squad. So I, I can't see them. I can't does that, see does them anyone know why that is? Is that an FFP thing at this stage? Because, you know, you kind of think with the extra Champions League money, the extra revenue, they can, you know, charge sponsors and bonuses from sponsors from winning the Champions League and all the rest of it added TV revenue and so on and so forth. Um, is there any reason as to why they they can't? It's interesting. It seems strange, doesn't it? Because yeah. you would think that they were in a prime position to to bring to be a real attractive proposition for players right now. You know, current champions of Europe got as close to City as anyone will ever get to them. And you kind of could, there was a real good feeling about that club, wasn't there? And they had the real bargaining chip to go to people and say, you will win titles if you join us. You know, if you join us, you'll win titles and possibly European titles as well. So it does seem strange that they haven't added a real name this summer unless they're about to pull something out of the bag in the last couple of days that, you know, we're not really aware of. Diballer, maybe? Well, here's a question, and I guess it's a sort of a why. Why is it when we talk about the most elite players being linked with moves, 
let's say Neymar, Bale. We'll talk about them in a bit more later. But why are they never linked with Liverpool? It's always Manchester United, Real Madrid, Barcelona. This is a team that's won the Champions League, but they're never really in the discussion of getting the world's best players. Yeah, but neither neither are they to City, to be absolutely honest. Yeah, that's a fair point as well. I I think, like, and and also usually the same with Spurs, but you'd have to say, like, United and Chelsea have done well, obviously, in Europe over the last two, two, three seasons, whatever it it is. They've both won uh, the Europa League. But domestically, they, they haven't been quite as close recently. I mean, we, we, we know Chelsea will probably struggle more than they would normally this year because of the transfer ban and all of that. Um, but I, I kind of think like City, Liverpool and Spurs, I, I know if, if you kind of look at it, Liverpool's big glamour signing, if, if you want to call it that, was, was a centre-back. Um, for £75 million pounds or whatever, and probably Allison in goal. Whereas you, you look at City and it's a little bit like Spurs. None of, none of the players they sign on the whole are huge household names, but they kind of look at them and think, well, yeah, that's fine. Let Man United, Barcelona, Madrid, whoever, Paris, go after the big glamour names We'll just actually do our due diligence, diligence, do our do our scouting properly, and actually pick people on either monumental, you know, monumentally high ceilings, um, or we'll we'll get in what we we actually think we need because it's like Liverpool last summer. Um, I mean, they brought in people like Fabinho, you know, who was who, who anybody could have told you was was an incredibly good defensive midfielder, and he just gave them another option. Like we were saying about them bolstering and all the rest of that. Um, but it, get, getting Fabinho and getting Van Dijk at the time is not the same as clubs scrambling to try and sign, like you said, like Neymar or Dybala, is it? It's that they're not sexy in the same way. It's a bit like Spurs this year. We we desperately needed a central midfielder to replace Moussa Dembele once it was clear that his legs were shot and we might as well get a bit of cash, um, bit of cash for him, you know, and he can go and get a nice payday in China. But it was quite clear we needed that. That's what we've got. Um, if we get someone like Lo Celso or, you know, uh, even if it is someone like Dybala or whatever else, who can play pretty much anywhere across a three up front or as an out-and-out striker, that's, that's good business. You know what I mean? Trying to scramble for someone like Neymar... Who who is a world class player, but he's going to take half a million minimum a week in wages plus bonuses, and is probably going to cost you, you know, the same amount of money. You could probably pick up Van Dyke, Allison, Becker, and Fabinho for. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? I think we've got our transfer policy right. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing one or two more coming. Don't get me wrong. But we've got it right. Liverpool have got it right, and City have got it right. 
and I think pretty much everyone else has got it wrong. You just need to look at um, someone like Arsenal. You know, you've still got Mesut Ozil sat on 300 grand a week. United have got... I mean, how much is Alexi Sanchez on there? About 450 grand a week or yep, something. Yeah, sounds about right. For, I mean, for what? Well, exactly. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, so, do you know what I mean? City will be quite happy just chilling, you know. I mean, even even when you look at players like De Bruyne when they brought him back in, I, I read exactly the same thing because I thought I'd dig it out a little while ago to see what our press made of um, Liverpool signing Salah and City signing De Bruyne. And both of them uh, ran with uh, Chelsea flop De Bruyne signs for City for £60 million or whatever. Chelsea flop <laughs> signs for Liverpool. You know what I mean? And you're kind of like... That's what I'm saying. Like, a lot of top clubs wouldn't have touched those two players because it's that weird perception thing. And that's when you're getting more into the realms of is it a good marketing move or is it actually a good football move? Because both of those have turned out to be absolutely stunning. So, yeah, I, I, I would I would argue that they don't, neither of them need big signings, you know. Yeah, I, I think as well, isn't it, Jay? Both, both teams, are, if, you like, if you look at Spurs and Liverpool, both have got managers that have got this philosophy, which is you need to be a team player rather than an individual. So there's no way someone like Klopp or Poch are interested in a Neymar-type player because of the circus that comes with him and the view that, like, listen, you're not going to pull in the direction I want. You know, you're going to throw a hissy fit if you're not playing. You know, you won't do the team. You know, you're not going to be the sort of player who puts his body on the line for the team. And I think both of those clubs now are looking for players that fit the kind of team ethos rather than, you know, United are just trying to look to sign glamour names and hope that that glamour name suddenly brings back the glory days. And the same with Pogba, we've found that actually what comes with that sort of player is a lot of, is a, is a massive circus and actually, you know, the team suffer for it in the long run. And as JS said, you know, although, you'd be better off actually, doing proper scouting. I, I would say, I would say actually in Pogba's defence, he, he doesn't really do anything that controversial outside of football. A lot of this is simply based on him having a haircut that some people weirdly take exception to. Like, do you know what I mean? It's a haircut. Why are you that worked up about it? Or he dances when he scores goals. But when when you look at it, the only manager he's really fallen out with was, was Mourinho. And Mourinho, you know... He essentially shit housed Ica Casillas out with the Real Madrid team. He he put um oh god who did he send for training with the reserves at Chelsea? Chelsea, you know you know what I mean. That's more of a Mourinho problem, and I get what you're saying. But Pogba is still a world class player on the day. However, I do think United have done the right thing. I know that was a really expensive move. Uh, for Maguire, but I also think that was the move they needed as opposed to the one that a lot of fans will go, oh yeah, that's that's a really sexy move again, like trying to sign Mbappe or Neymar or um, Dybala or whoever. They need defenders because Phil Jones is is just not good enough for Manchester United if they want to start punching at the top again. Whereas Harry Maguire is as he will 
show everybody, you know. Okay, then, Carl, let's, let's list some names in at the time of writing that have not moved, that are expected to move over the summer. We've got Gareth Bale, Neymar, Paul Pogba, Philip Coutinho, Christian Eriksen. Do you think many will happen, if at all, or could we still see some post-Premier League window moves happen for these players? Well, I think, obviously, yeah, the rest of Europe's window shutting after hours does cause some teams problems, you know, a bit like Spurs with Ericsson. You know, if we don't bring anyone in and we then suddenly Madrid show their hand and say they do want him, then it could kind of put you in a difficult position, couldn't it? Because the player wants to move. Um I'm not sure we'll see nothing too drastic, to be honest, before the window shuts. So I really don't. You know, I think there's a lot of a lot of people are just going to wait and hold and be brave. I feel. You know, I don't actually think we're going to see. You know, Bell won't go nowhere. I don't think. I think he's gonna he's gonna play hardball and just sit there and wait it out at Madrid. Um, he doesn't seem like he needs to rush anywhere. I think. You know, he would have gone China if that had been there. But now it's not. Then I don't see him moving away. You know, I think both parties there are going to just. You know, why not? Why not to uh, Bayern? Why not to Bayern? I like, could, I, like he... I like Bale to Bayern because they've, they've just um, obviously uh, Ribery and Robin have just moved on. I think he'd take a bit of a pay cut, and Bayern can afford to pay for him. I think that would be a good move for all concerned. You know? Uh, yeah, I, I would. You know, if I was Bale, I would look for that. That possible move could be some attraction. Um, but you just get the impression, you know, I don't think he's going to be forced out the door easily. You know, I don't think he's going to let himself be treated like that. Um, but if you know, if that option was there and I was him, I would take it because, you know, what's the point of sitting somewhere where you're clearly not wanted? Um, but I guess that will depend on his drive, won't it? But I don't actually see none of the other big ones really coming off, you know. Um, the only one that I do think possibly there could be some legs in, but only because we might need to force force a move somewhere is Ericsson. Um, but I'm still not sure. I don't really see why you'd go to United um, over Spurs other than possibly money, because, you know, I don't think you're going to, you're not joining a better team um, and you're not, you know, it could still be a, a sort of bit of a heritage thing for some players though with, with United, you know, you're some, right. Like, um, I think they've still got that a bit, attraction. A bit, bit more romantic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I, I think, you know, he'd, he'd, be, he'd be a good fit for United, actually, I think. Our, our own uh, middle fart maestro, you know. That's hey, where if United got that, him, that's that, where that'd be a brilliant Denmark, signing for United. I, I hate it because I don't want to see a strength and a rival again. Um, and we know Ericsson is a quality player on his day. So if United get him, all we're doing is helping another team possibly he, take still, us to the top four. I, I mean, I was reading, he still created a lot of um, chances and stuff for us last year. But you do feel he's dropped off a bit and he, he doesn't seem to... It's, it's not like he doesn't want to be at the club but I don't equally I don't think his heart's fully in it anymore either so I I would be happy to move on and honestly I don't think United are there enough yet for us to worry about them you know So Jace where does he go then because if he wants to go to Real Madrid and obviously you know he wants this new project and what have you and Manchester United aren't quite there in your opinion who else can he who else can buy him in this sort of short spell I wouldn't. I still wouldn't rule out. Um, weirdly, I wouldn't rule out um, 
a uh, uh, an Ericsson Dybala swap of some some description, to be honest. So it's not a bad shout at all, actually. I wouldn't. I don't think anyone would be too miffed if that was the case. Carl, would you be happy with that? Yeah, I mean, for me, for me, if Eric, you know, if Ericsson leaves, then I, I want to see him go abroad where he can't come back to Hawkness at some point. And and if there was a swap with him and Dybala, then you know that wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't be disappointed with that. You know, I, I personally, for me, I'd be over the moon if we swapped him for Coutinho. To be honest, because that for me would be the ideal. That'd the be a good shout. Yeah, I'd be happy with I don't it. think that's on the cards, but for me, uh, I, I, I would think... love it. I, I, I think Dybala's ceiling is higher even than Coutinho's, actually, because he's, he's an extremely gifted footballer, but he's essentially been forced out by Ronaldo. And, you know, <laughs> it, it's one of those things where it's like what Ronaldo says goes. Do you know, do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, I actually think... Ronaldo is not doing Juventus any favours, ironically, and I, I think, I think Dybala to Spurs would make a lot, a lot of sense for us because he, he would be a genuinely bona fide good fill-in for Kane if Kane's injured straight up front. But he can also play anywhere just behind the strikers. He can play in the middle, left, right. Is probably a little bit better on the right, um, but. He can easily play through. I mean, he's just a wonderful footballer and he's still only like, what is he, 25, 26, something like that. So whereas I think Coutinho is like 28 now, he would undoubtedly command a, a much higher fee um, and his wages would probably be close to double that of Dybala's. So I, I wouldn't actually be that happy with that because it, it just wouldn't make that much sense you know you know what i mean i'm hoping the argentine connection is going to get it done okay. well say so we've got we've got a bit of history with argentinians as well haven't we so <laughs> maybe maybe you know we get aussie's dream back going again you never know so let's stay on the theory of wages and carl i'll put this to you in regards to Neymar and bale are they at the point where they've almost priced themselves out of a move elsewhere because it's not really necessarily the clubs they're earning what the guts of half a million a week give or take so they're in a situation of where can you go afterwards? Because it's not necessarily a transfer fee that's really weighing them down. It's who on earth is going to be crazy enough to take on that financial burden, bar China? Yeah, it's a big outlay for clubs, isn't it? Especially, I suppose, when you're looking at Bao and his recent injury record as well. I suppose, you know, it takes a brave person who wants to pay that a week when you could, you know, the guy could be missing out large chunks of the season, maybe. So, uh, and, uh, you know, at their age, you know, they're not 21s or something like that. You know, with Mbappe, you're buying a player that you could have for the long term who you know, you know, this guy could bring you something great. Um, and it, and he's also still got plenty of years left in him. Whereas with Bao, you know, the years are going on now. He's got a slight, you know, injury history last season, although he still played a lot of games for Real Madrid, but he was out for, you know, big chunks. And that that is probably what's putting people off with the Bao, the Bao money. You know, no one's really prepared to meet that sort of demand. Um, and obviously Neymar, I just think the wages and the circus that comes with him probably puts a lot of teams off. You know, the only interest may be that Barcelona might see that they can restrike that 
you know forward line that they had once before. That yeah, the tri- they, called the, they called it the Trident, didn't they? Yeah. It was a three-pronged <laughs> thing of uh, Messi, Suarez, Neymar. To be honest, I, I wouldn't want Neymar anywhere near near my club. I you know, no, I'm the same as you, JS. You know, for me, the guy, I, I wouldn't want him anywhere near my club either. To be honest. There we go. Neymar's not going to Spurs. You heard it here first. But, <laughs> <laughs> great breaking news. But, JS, in terms of Gareth Bale, for someone who's won an illustrious amount of trophies at Real Madrid, Champions League to boot as well, has his treatment been pretty poor this summer? And, I guess, is, it, at- is it indicative Sorry. of how Real just treat players as commodities and nothing more? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked me that because that was going through my, my head already. Um, exactly that. Um yeah, I, I think they they are just the absolute worst club in in football, bar, barring none. They just shit house everyone. They they ride roughshod over everyone. I mean, you just need to look at the whole Lopetegui thing uh, last summer, where they basically shit house their actual country at a World Cup by announcing it the day of the tournament starting or the day before or something, that he was quitting the the Spain post afterwards to go and take the rail job. He got sacked from Spain. Spain had a, well, relatively disastrous tournament. And then he got sacked about nine games into the season. They do exactly the same thing with players. They are... To Real Madrid, I think more than any other club, they are just commodities. They 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 don't care about the players, and it, it's. I know, I know people always struggle because of the astronomical amount of money that these players get paid. It, it's not like they're not well rewarded for it. But you, you you still think no matter what level you're playing at, no matter how famous you are, you'd still want to think that you your labours were appreciated by your employers. And this is a guy who single-handedly came on and more or less won them the Champions League last summer. He single-handedly won them at least one Copa del Rey in the final. And you, you just sort of think, like... When that someone who's won, what has he won there? Is it four Champions yeah, Leagues? Four in five years. Or six yeah. Years, yeah. Yeah. Including th- the famous three in a row. And That's he was right. an integral part of a lot of those. And you just think, like, I know Zidane and he seems to have some kind of serious issues. But you sort of think, right, he's going to go to China and then the board block it, even though Zidane has said publicly that he doesn't want want Bale at the club and Bale has said he doesn't want to play under Zidane he doesn't want to be part of the club we all saw his interview after the Champions League final last summer why don't they just let, why don't they just let him go why would you want that at the club it is absolutely insane well it's just the saga that continues at Real Madrid and talking of Real Madrid Carl they've signed Eden Hazard at last so what do you reckon he can do in the Bernabeu well, it looks like what he has been doing since joining is eating plenty of burgers, doesn't it? <laughs> it, does, it doesn't it look does. like he's gone there as sharp as he possibly could. But I suppose, you know, it doesn't take those guys long to regain that sort of fitness. But he's a brilliant player, isn't he? You know, he can he can do for them probably what Ronaldo did for them. You know, he's a match winner on his day. He's brilliant to watch. You know, I think he's one of the best players in the world. Um 
And, uh, you know, that that's just, they've got a hope, isn't they, that he can produce what he did at Chelsea. Um, I still think, though, Madrid are, Madrid are slightly a little bit like Arsenal in a way. They've always had great players going forward, but you just get the impression that sometimes for them, their Achilles heel is defensively, um, hence the reason why they haven't won the league more often. Um, and, and maybe that will just be the same. Maybe they haven't really addressed the sort of key areas that they need to. Um, but, put it, but listen, Hazard was a brilliant player. So getting him, you know, they'll enjoy watching him. I'm sure he'll score plenty of great goals and bring plenty of attractive football to them. But I don't know whether he's the sort of player that's going to push them over the line for the title because yeah, no, I don't. a bit of disarray, to be honest. I, I actually have a slightly different take on Hazard, I, I think he's a, I think he's a really, really wonderful footballer, but I don't think he's quite as great as as he's made out to be. I don't, I don't think he's a bona fide great footballer. I think he's an incredibly gifted footballer, but I don't. Th- I, I think what we'll actually see at Madrid is that he'll, he'll sort of do okay. He'll probably score lots of goals in, in La Liga, but I, I don't think he'll do that well in Europe for them. And I, I don't actually think he's the the top top level that someone like Real Madrid would need to to kick on again. And to be honest, I can't, I can't say I'm disappointed by that, you know, frankly. I, I just don't see him improving them enough. You know? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, actually. I mean, the discussion of Hazard is never really the very top tier of footballers, is he? He's sort of that sort of bracket below. And I just think, yeah, in terms of Real Madrid, for a statement signing, you know, you've had the Galactico era in the past, and it's not really at that kind of level either, is it? It leaves you, I wouldn't say, disappointed. I mean, I mean, for, I mean for example, is, is Eden Hazard at his absolute best as good as Gareth Bale was at his absolute best? best and I'd say absolutely no he, he, he wasn't I don't think I think Bale's just a tiny little bit below like Ronaldo and stuff like that when he was at his absolute peak Where, whereas I think there are actually quite a number of players that are sort of as good as Eden Hazard I, I, I think Hyungmin Son is as good as Eden Hazard for example and I, I wouldn't say he's you, you know, his again is an incredibly gifted footballer, and I I love him, but that's biased. But I, I genuinely don't see Hazard as being any more special than uh, do, you know what I mean. I I think someone like Salah is better on his day than than Hazard is, and uh, you know, uh, I don't, I don't think you know they they won the Europa League last year, but I don't I don't think Hazard was ever in serious danger of dragging Chelsea to a Euro, uh, you know the champ a Champions League size. So you, you know what I mean. So I, I think he's a player, isn't he? Where there are question marks over his attitude. You know, we saw it at Chelsea plenty of times where he, you know, if he doesn't feel like it on certain days, then he won't play for you. Yeah, um, exactly. Whereas the, uh, I the mean, top you say players do all the time. I mean, you say certain days, but I'd actually say certain seasons at times. It, yeah, you're quite it, right. It, it'd yeah. actually have almost entire seasons off. And that, yeah. that's why I'd, I'd never have him as a genuinely great player. And I, I don't think, like... You know, once he gets used to the kind of glamour and the glitz and stuff, when he's playing like away at Malaga every other week, uh, I, I just don't think he's going to 
you know what I mean? I, I think it's one of those maybe grass is always greener a little bit, and I, I don't think that will get it done for him, and I definitely don't think it's going to get it done for Madrid. What what they needed, ironically, is is Neymar. I know that I know that would have been really controversial, but if you're going to go for a, a sort of forward left winger type. Neymar would have been it. He's he's got the ego to sort of boost the club. You know, he's exactly the type of shithouser who would go to Real Madrid after having played for Barcelona. Um, and I, I think that's what Real Madrid needs. And as much as I dislike Neymar, Neymar is levels above Hazard. Right, so Neymar's not going to Tottenham. He's going to Real Madrid. You heard it here first as well. Okay, so let's go to N Hazard's former club, Chelsea. Carl, they face Manchester United on Sunday and they've got a new man at the helm. It's Frank Lampard, or formerly Frank Lampard's Derby County. So how do you think he'll do in a managerial capacity when he returns to Stamford Bridge? And what can he do in regard to the Blues' transfer ban? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting season for Chelsea, isn't it, with Lampard, to see how they goes. Because I think, you know, there's lots of people... Who I know lots of Chelsea fans are really happy that he's there and they say they're prepared to back him. But as we always say, talk is kind of cheap, isn't it? And the test will be to see how they respond if they go, say, you know, five or six games and the performances are not really there and they haven't got the results um, to see how the fans react. But you kind of get the feeling that there maybe is a period of time now where they'll let him settle there be, you know, he's got to play the kids and bring some of the kids through. Um, but they'll still be looking, and the demands will still be there to get, you know, top four or five. So there'll be some pressure on. I, I don't really know how this is going to go. You know, it, it will either be a, I think it'll either be a roaring success, or we will see that possibly he only gets a season, maybe, and then things haven't worked out, and uh, you know. Chelsea do what they normally do and look to go, you know, and get someone else in. But, you know, the transfer ban helps him, doesn't it? Because the fact they haven't been able to bring in big names means that they do have to look to their youth set up a little bit more. But I still believe there's high expectations. And as much as the fans want to say they'll give him time, I think, you know, if you're two months in and results haven't gone or the season hasn't been a great start, then the pressure will build. And obviously it'd be interesting to see how Frank copes with that. But, you know, I, I like Frank. So, I, you know, part of me, you know, the, the admiration I have for him as a player and that... There's a little part of me wants him to do well, but you know, as the Spurs rivalry goes, I hope they flop and they're bottom after like four or five games, and and Fat Frank's getting the boot. That's the spirit, Cole. <laughs> JS, if we go, <laughs> fuck me. <laughs> yeah. JS, if we go across what? London to uh, Tottenham's other rivals, Arsenal. What do you think of their transfer policy this summer? Because it's one that's been a mixture of loans and instalments, and it's almost as if they're gambling on their future, that being qualification for the Champions League. The question is, is it a gamble that will pay off? Ooh. Uh, I think the fourth place is going to be between Chelsea United and Arsenal. So I think Arsenal season is going to be slightly contingent on what else, if anything, United do in the, the transfer window, basically. So I like, I kind of like what they've done. Um, I like the players they've brought in. I, th- I think Sabalos, Kabalos is a good, is a good move for them. Um, 
I also think that they've got two of the best young central midfielders in world football in in Torreira and uh, Guendouzi. Um, and I kind of feel like they'll they'll only keep getting better. And and you know, as you know, if you've got a really good strong central midfield, you control games. And if you control games, it's easier to win games. So I quite like them. I I, I think they'll. I th- do you know what? I think that race for fourth is going to be really really tight this year. And I I, I would expect Arsenal to be firmly in the mix. Um, Going back to what Cole said very briefly about Chelsea, I don't think Lampard will get sacked. So I think what they've done is brought him in knowing that they've got the transfer ban. It's someone to sort of slightly appease the fans. So the RAF is, you know, and Fra- I think Frank Lampard is quite literally taking one for the team there, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, because he's... Yeah, I, I think he's. I think he's a good. He's clearly a good young manager. He did really well with uh, Frank Lampard's derby last season. But I think, <laughs> I think Frank Lampard's. I think Frank Lampard's Chelsea is. He, he's he's there to kind of bridge bridge the gap because that that's not a Chelsea managerial appointment. They only sign top top managers don't they so I, I think that's going to be I think he's just there to bridge bridge the gap basically and he knows what the situation is he loves the club so he, he's happy to take it on under those circumstances he gets to cut his teeth with relatively little pressure at a top level club in the Premier League and I, I think it's perfect for all concerns I think the fans will actually be more understanding of it because they do have have the transfer ban i don't think they'll be expecting miracles especially after you know in a lot of their views their best players you know left and i, I think i think lampard will do a good i think he'll do a good job and i i, I think yeah I, I think they'll be there or thereabouts as well um and for the record and golo can say is their best player and i'm sort of thinking it again their success or you know, lack of will be contingent on putting Kante, who is comfortably one of the world's best two or three number sixes, back as a number six. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, after I mean, yes, Cal. they've got a really good squad as well, though, haven't they? I mean, I'm excited to see Hudson Odoi because I think he's going to be a brilliant player, and and you know, he he for me will get to sort of Hazard levels, you know, and possibly even more. Um, so that they've still got a really good squad, Chelsea. So I don't think you know Lampard's not going into a, a squad that's in crisis or that. You know, if he can get them on side, you know. Um, that there's plenty of players there that you know means they can have a good season if it, if it gets going. I think for Chelsea as well, it's momentum, isn't it? They need to get off. They need to start the season really strongly. And if they do, then that could push them through. If they start sluggishly and lose a few, then you know that that could kind of set in and cause them problems. But they, they've still got a really good squad at Chelsea. Right, chaps, this is a podcast that's very guilty of top six bias, and I think we're going to wrap it up there because otherwise we could be going for about three or four hours. There is so much to cover, but thankfully we've got all season to cover it. So don't sort of panic if you've not been featured in the podcast today. We've got 38 weeks. There's going to be plenty of drama, topics, issues to discuss. So, you know, don't worry. It's all in hand. So really, I just need to sort of thank the guests. I hope you've enjoyed getting the ring rust removed and you're going to sort of join me throughout the season, Colt. 
Yeah, definitely, Dan. Really enjoyed it, mate. It's, uh, as you say, good to get, you know, a first game and get the legs back in for a 45, 90 minutes. Absolutely. And JS, thanks ever so much for your time. I hope you'll be joining us throughout the season also. I will do, Dan. Thank you very much for having me. Excellent. So, um, as always, if you like the show, like I say, leave it a, a review on iTunes. And it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is The Real Football Cast in association with Loserpool. And until next time, goodbye. Podcast Network.